Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the PFG Vivecast. I am your co-host, Julie Hoyt, and of course, with me, as always, is Mr. Russell Baxter. And we have another wonderful show for you today. We have another great guest, so please subscribe to our podcast because we have a lot of great things coming your way. Without further ado, here is Mr. Russell Baxter. Welcome to the latest edition of the PFG Vibecast. I'm Russell Baxter, joined by my co-founder, Julie Voigt. And we have, once again, another special guest with us today. He is one of the premier sports talk hosts in the country. Uh, You can hear him on Sports Talk 790. Um, the Sean Salisbury Show, Sean Unfiltered on Twitter, um, founder of the Let It Rip Quarterback Academy, which I think is very important. And I'm going to embarrass you a little. Uh, a man who I know a lot about, who has taken the time over the years, put some very deserving young men and women into college. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sean Salisbury. Rusty, thank you. Appreciate the introduction. Couldn't have done it without all the great help from my friends and making a difference. And thank you. And Julie, it's good to be on with you guys. And I'm always in, uh, always honored, Rusty, anytime I get to talk with you. And now you add uh, some more brains to the operation with Julie, I'm in. So thank you for the intro. Great, great to be on with you guys. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll cut right to it because, you know, we're, we're, the combines are, were fascinating as usual. Uh, but, uh, you know, as usual, quarterbacks also take center stage. And, Sean, I'll ask you this because of your years um, playing the position, uh, teaching the position, coaching the position. Um, at the combine now, and maybe even over the last couple of years, do NFL scouts look at quarterbacks in a different way than maybe they did five or six years ago in terms of what we're looking for in terms of running ability, speed, different things like that? Yeah, Russ, I think it's evolved. There's no question. They're always looking for that next, I I don't know if advancement's the right word, but you've been covering this game a long time, my friend, and so have I. No matter what we look in the changes we'll see at Combine or kind of what's in vogue at the quarterback position. Now now we like the off-schedule, can throw from different arm angles, spectacular Pat Mahomes. But then when it comes Super Bowl time, we still love that 41-year-old who's got brilliant mechanics who grinds on them day after day. It may not be as skilled, but from the pocket, nobody manipulates it better from there. But I, I can tell you, Russ, when it gets right down to it, while we all like, oh, man, that's whether it was the 46 defense, whether it's Tampa 2 defense, whether it's the uh, Wildcat run and shoot, the Wildcat now four and five wide, and the McVay and Doug Peterson, all the, the innovation we have now where we're just kind of doing a little bit of everything. It still comes down to this when I'm evaluating quarterbacks. Can you beat me from the pocket in that hula hoop in the pocket, deliver the ball on time with accuracy? That's never going to change. And so when I look at the combine, yeah, you know, RPOs, can this guy move on the run? But, Russ, I, I, 
and now I know why we do it. The measurables, I know certain things. The cone drill, which tells me if a defensive back or receiver or linebacker can get out of their break and how stiff their hips are. It really comes back down to blocking and tackling. There's a, hey, shorts and a t-shirt, we don't, last I saw, and it's been my biggest complaint of the combine over the years, is the, the, the last I checked, we don't play football in shorts and a t-shirt on Sunday. We play in gear. I know that's far-fetched in the collective bargaining agreement. It'll never happen with the players, but I'd like to see DK Metcalf run a 40, jump, and catch, and, and lift, and not lift, but run and jump and, and vertical leap and broad jump and all those things in his gear. Then, then I want to know how real it is. I think it'd be a great change of the con. I'd like to see my quarterbacks go to a detractor bag and have those guys drop back in shoulder pads and shorts and hel- I mean shoulder pads and t- football pants and helmets and throw to a moving target with gear on and maybe tall pads in front of them. I, I was watching today and, and watching a video going back and looking at Drew Locke and somebody's tweet said, hey, uh, were you impressed with Drew Locke today? And they showed him running a dig route through a seven-step drop throwing like an 18-yard in cut. And he hit him and completed. And I said, no, that's what he's supposed to do. I can go out and complete. I can go out and complete ninety percent right now, Russ and I'm and Julie. I'm being serious mm-hmm. of throwing the route tree in my fifties at the combine camp. So there, there's things to like. And listen, I know it's fodder for TV and radio. We're talking about it, um, but there's things that I, I do think we look at them different, Russ, to answer your question. But I know this: if you're accurate, if you can lead and make players around you better, and you can extend it a little bit. But even if you can't extend it, Tom Brady, the pocket. If you can throw from there on time with accuracy and do it under duress, you're a football player. So we can change and look for different things all we want. I need football IQ. I need leadership. And I need to know how you play under pressure. I don't learn that at the combine. That's why it's not an exact science in the quarterback position is the toughest position on the planet to judge. Absolutely. Couldn't, uh, well, obviously I couldn't say that better. That's why I had you say it. And by the way, <laughs> if you're going to talk about the three cone drill, um, as you know, my favorite are chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. There, yeah, d- dude. And then add a fourth one. I, I don't care if there's a fourth cone or not. Stick another scoop of chocolate on it, and I'm in, brother, all, all day. <laughs> Julie, I know you had a question for Sean. I do, actually. So um, we watch a lot of football in our house, so it's probably going to be more a little personal thing. But uh, my husband, by the way, is a big fan of you. He's the one that's always trying to push you on CBS Sports Network. So. <laughs> oh, well, tell him tell, tell, tell to keep pushing. I'm in. <laughs> so me Thank and him. You. Oh, no problem. Me and him, we like to go back and forth. And, you know, sometimes I like to look at him and say, who do you think would be the top prospect of the season? And me and him love both Will Greer from West Virginia. Um, Now, I noticed that he has been talking to the Broncos and all that, and the Broncos have a high pick. What are your thoughts on Will Greer? You know what? I'm actually surprised that they're, for a guy, and I'll tell you, maybe there's something they don't like about the the, you know, the conference he played in, which I'm thinking, well, Kyler Murray played in the same conference. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying, I'm trying to go through it because I look at the quarterbacks, and to me there's – I think the four that stick out as first-round pictures, Daniel Jones at Duke, Kyler Murray, who I'm really high on. I went back, changed my narrative on him over the last three months. I was a, I was a semi-hard pass on him, and now I'm all in. And I, uh. I, just because I'm watching him against football players, I don't care. And Rusty knows this, that the, the, the measurables, that's the thing part of the combine that bothers me is we get so caught up in – Oh, he's 5'10 now, so he's a player, but he wasn't at 5'8 and a half. If he was 5'8 and a half, I mean, it's just some of these measurables are silly, but that, that's neither here nor there. So Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, and Dwayne Haskins. Now, I, I, there's, there, 
I'm a Greer fan too. I know who he was coached by in Dana Holgerson. I like Dana, but there's something I, I like Greer's guts and that very same thing I like about him may be part of the reason why we're not talking about him is, you know, he's not going to physically wow you with his speed, mm-hmm. uh, really good arm strength. His mechanics are probably, you know, when you look at the mechanics, you're probably not going to say, Oh, this is the way you teach it. Cause he'll drop down and three quarter once in a while. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of gunslinger in him, which I love. And he's one of those, okay, gunslinger enough to take him in the first round. Some guys may take a step back and say, mm, no, not gunslinger enough to take him in the first round, but I'll damn well tell you in the second or third round, I can steal this guy and he could be a player for me. I see Will Greer being a starter in the league at some point. And I did even last year when he came, you know, when what happened in Florida, then he came to West Virginia. I like the fact that he's not afraid to take some chances. Now, some execs will back off from that. Their coach is saying he's too much of a chance taker, but – I think Will Greer's sneaking. It's weird. I, there's no buzz about him nationally right now. None. Right. Absolutely none. It's about, obviously, Kyler for obvious reasons. And then some of these other guys are going. But he's one of those guys. If somebody's going to – you're going to be sitting in that room and somebody's going to say, well, arm strength. Um, he, he's, he's a, he, was, he came in when, from high school as one of the top, you know, pro-style quarterbacks in college football. Uh-huh. Had his little issue. But then, boom, now he's at West Virginia. I personally think that Will Greer is a is a guy. He's going to make somebody's roster, and he's one of those guys that when he's throwing scout team, the coaches keep saying, "Gosh, dang man, we got to test that arm." And I and I think at some point, so I don't know if it's the second round or the fourth round, he'll be playing on a Sunday roster, and he's a sneaky prospect. I like him, I think, a little more than some do, mm-hmm. but some may be afraid of the gunslinger mentality and the fact that he's not overly mechanically sound. Right. Yes, I completely agree with you. I think he's he's going to be one of them silent but deadly. You know, just yep. <laughs> just... He, he's not a he, he'll throw. He loves. He can rip it now, and it's going to get one of those. He's the type of guy that, like I said, you put him in in game four because two guys got hurt or something, or a guy, and you never get the job back. So I think he's got, and I trust me, he's got swagger. He's one of those guys that becomes a folk hero in a hurry if somebody gets him on the right roster with the right coaches and he gets the right opportunity. Right. Right. Well, you couldn't have teed me up any better from what you said about three or four minutes ago, um, how you feel about Kyler Murray. And I'll just flat out ask you, what changed over the last couple months that really have you been more sold on him? You know, Russ, I try never to, for instance, whether it's a great opinion by you or people I respect in the industry, you know, or that study the position. They don't just watch it as a fan, but study it that, you know, when they get to deep down, breaking down, what makes a guy a player or not. and the naked eye can tell you he's a player. We've seen it. But I, I, I originally – I, I used to train quarterbacks side-by-side side on a field in Plano, Texas, where his dad was training him, and he was so diminutive. But then I went and watched him play high school football and still diminutive, and I watched him – that they never lost at Allen, and then they went seven-on-seven. Seven. All, all those things. Everywhere he's gone, he wins. But you look at him and say, how? And then you start to watch him, and you say, oh, okay, I, I, I kind of get it. And then he does it at every level. Well – Russ, I, I got caught up in doing something that I never like to do. Number one, other people's opinion of somebody, you know, as I, I judge the book by what I see with every quarterback I ever watched. Not because some, some scout loved him. It's because I either loved him or him for my purpose. Now, you're wrong sometimes, and you're right. So I went back and watched four of his games after the season was over and said, okay, let me go back and watch these games. What am I missing? Because well, he wins. And after the Alabama game, it hit me hard, I thought. You know, he single-handedly offensively kept him into the game. He played against the best mm-hmm. defense on the planet, not named Clemson, and he made every play and never quit. Now, I know there's some things about him that he's got to be better interview. We saw him on the Dan Patrick show. That wasn't very good. There's some things about leadership that 
he'll probably have to ramp up. But not everybody leads the same way. But, Russ, the telling tale for me is, and I went through a checklist, as I do with most quarterbacks that I'm judging, does he win? He's won at every level, and he won in college. Does he make guys around him better? The answer is unequivocally yes. Are his mechanics sound, and did he be – with his size, could he beat you from the pocket and out of the pocket? Well, we know he's – I've never seen a guy go from zero to 60 quicker at a skilled position guy – Barry Sanders was really good at it, but this kid goes from zero to 60 in one step. It's, it's frightening to watch. Now you say, well, he's a quarterback, but that's the escapability, and he's, he's small enough where he gets skinny, where you, you can't get a real good hit on him. So when people talk about durability, he's been durable, but you can't – listen, at 6'5", 235, when I played, there's a lot of room to hit. Right. Cam Newton's got a lot of room to hit. You're, you're going to get a little elbow, maybe a shoulder, maybe a hip. Well, I, I call when, a, when it's a running back when he gets skinny in the hole. Marcus Allen was like the toughest hell, and Marcus was big. But he mm-hmm. never quite took he, – he, he, unless he delivered the blow, he wasn't taking those hits. He said, wow. He was delivering them, but he, he was able to get skinny, and, and Kyler can. And then I said, is he accurate? And does he have strong enough arm to last and make all the throws? And I've seen him make all the throws. And then I thought, okay, well, how does he play under duress? You go back and watch Texas. You watch against Alabama. He checks that box. Russ, if he was 6'1", and Julie, he'd be the first pick of the draw. We, we, we wouldn't – people would be standing in line to trade up and get him. If he was 6'3", it'd be over. We'd be talking about him as one of the great prospects. We could look what he's done. Mm-hmm. But somehow, some way, we get caught up into his – and then I look at this and I say, well, there's a lot of six, six-and-a-half quarterbacks or taller that never make it. But I think of Breeze and Makefield and Kyler Murray and Fran Tarkenton and Russ Wilson. There's a lot of really good six-foot and sub-six-foot players. So – I just started, Russ, with really – I, I looked at the product on the field. I, I got rid of every – I said, Sean, tell me he's 6'3", and tell me what you think. And I thought, he doesn't get a lot of balls batted. I thought, you know what? Now I get it. I get it. And he's the type of guy – I think he's better than, than, than Josh Rosen, a better playmaker right now. And he ain't even walked on Arizona. Now, I don't know if they're going to take him, but I personally have gotten to the point Three years ago, if you're two years ago, if you'd have said he's a top three round pick, I'd have laughed in your face and said, stick to baseball. After doing my due diligence, I think you're crazy and need drug tested if he gets outside the top 10. Because if we're just measuring on the size of his body, and then he goes and goes 5'10 and 207. Oh, now he can play Russ. You know, these right. guys, oh, dude, now, oh, now he's 5'10 and 207. Oh, of course, he's a top five pick. So mm-hmm. I went through and just looked at his production. None of us can tell if 10 years from now he's going to get hurt or the rest of it, but I'm going to go with my visual and what I see. And the optics tell me that whoever he goes to has got themselves a full-on player. Well, that's high praise, to say the least. Um, it's too early to tell you, ask you if you think that Arizona uh, would actually trigger. Obviously, they have a new head coach, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And hoping yep. to bring, I mean, just a little history here, Sean. The Cardinals last year did something that hadn't been done in 41 years. Finished last in the league in total offense, rushing offense, and passing offense. You have to go back to the 77 Buccaneers to see an offense that bad. Yeah, and they were bad. So, and, and you think about that, and I look at and listen, I'm not down on Rosen. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he's got, I think, you know, remember when he came out, he was the, the most NFL ready. And the truth right. is, of the five first rounders, of the five first rounders, he was the most, he was the least. He made the least advancements in his game this year. Trust me, I've watched plenty, and I still he's confident. And I, you know, he may be a great player in Arizona. Some, I'm not quitting on him, but right. I also know him if he goes to New England or something. He may be a great player there too. But I can tell you this, and this matters to me, Russ. He doesn't. I, I think about in his past, and he said he does. And I'm not saying it's just him. It's an ultimate team game. But 
you know how certain guys, no matter what they do, they win. Right. He, he, that's not him. He, he right. reminds me of the Xbox. I mean, he remind, he'll put up numbers for you, but at the end, you're going to lose to a 16 year old teenager that plays more video games than you do on your Xbox map. And that's what he reminds. Oh man, look at he look at the pretty throw. You lose 17, 13. Oh man. He threw for 420. He lost 28, 26, 28, 24. Oh, you got beat 31 to three, but he hit the, you know, like, so it's like Sammy Sosa. You get beat nine to two, but he hits two solo homers. that mean nothing. I got to have Josh Rosen get me out of that feeling I have for him. So right. if I was the Arizona Cardinals, I'd answer every call. If you're going to go all in Steve Kime, you got rid of Wilkes after one, after one season, you mm-hmm. go get a sub 500 coach in college. If you're going to go all in Russ, why go 85%? Why no, I, go I, all? I, now I ain't given, I ain't given Rosen away, but if, if Kime gets a call from New England or Denver or the Raiders fan, you know, if the Raiders, let's say they shop and for whatever reason, they're shopping car, which we've heard. And let's say they wanted Rosen for what, I don't know, you know, John, I love John, but he falls in love with quarterbacks is, is like the when, when, as many times as I, you know, the sun shines every day in, in Arizona. So that's, that's John. But if somebody offers me a first round pick, Russ, I'm, 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 I'm the, the, the deal. I can't say yes fast enough. And then I'll take Murray and let's go, man. Let's go all in and see. And like I said, there's some weaknesses Murray has, but I guarantee you the strengths far outweigh him. They would not have lost as many games if Murray was there. Because that's another thing. When people say, well, bring Kyler Murray and you're going to lose, you're going to go 4 and 12. Well, if Rosen stays there, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go 3 and 13 or 4 and 12. Right. So why not give me the guy that five years from now, I personally believe, will be a starting quarterback in the NFL that people are saying, damn, how is this guy doing it? So that's how I feel. And I would listen if I was Arizona, and I would have never told you that a year ago, Rusty. Well, that's, that's what we love about you, Sean. You tell it like it is. And for the last 20 minutes, that's exactly what you did. And once again, Julie and I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. We really appreciate it. It's uh, perfect timing right after, the, um, right after the combine. You got a chance to see these guys. You've been watching these guys for, for the last couple of years, and your insight on Kyla Murray is fascinating. Thank you, bud. Julie, thank you. Tell your good husband, thank you. Keep, hey, keep on the push. <laughs> I appreciate you guys joining me. Keep pushing. Rusty, I love you, brother. As always, we'll talk sooner than later. And you mean the world to me, man. You guys keep doing great. And thanks for having me on. I'm honored. You got it. And you just, uh, you just created a, a new hashtag called Keep on the Push. Ah, there you go, good. brother. All right. Thanks, All right, guys. Talk we'll to you talk soon. to you. Right. Well, Julie, it's safe to say that uh, Sean was very insightful on in his thoughts on the up-and-coming quarterback uh, class this year. And speaking of the NFL Combine, um, you had an opportunity to attend the event for the first time. Yes, I did. And you know what? I will say from a fan perspective, being at Lucas Oil Stadium for Colts games is completely different than sitting there watching the Combine and just be quiet, you know, because these prospects are at work and – just watching them, it was it was a phenomenal experience. Um, in the beginning, um, me and of course your um, pro football guru writer Robert Voigt was, you know, both of us went to the combine and we actually got to sit there and hear an interview of Donnie Edwards and Cliff Averill. Averill, sorry, and um, they were speaking on behalf of, you know, being types of mentors to these prospects 
and you know mentoring them and this this whole process with the combine and everything else and they spoke about their experiences in the combine and and they shared you know a lot of their stories and i thought that was very interesting and then we went on to the combine and we watched um the second group of defensive linemen go out there and man i just gotta say from a personal point of view montez sweat with that four point four one second forty he was pretty fast on that field and he's gonna be awesome and i even saw a tweet from jim ursay the colts owner owner that you know he's retweeting and here i am trying to guess oh ursay are you trying to say something <laughs> but just watching these young prospects on the field given that they're all going through all these drills it was a great experience um and good luck to all of them that actually got a chance to to do this. Well, it's interesting. You know the old saying, Julie, never let them see you sweat, correct? Right. Okay, well, apparently Jim Ursay wants to see sweat. <laughs> I think he does. I think he does. And you know what? I, I, I said it, I think, in the the two podcasts ago, I would love to see us draft a bunch of defensive linemen and then concentrate offensively maybe in free agency but you know you know the Colts have those holes and I think you know sweat would fit in perfect well you know as we found out uh, earlier today um, maybe getting a pass rusher in the draft might be your best option um, when we saw some of the players that got the franchise tag um, earlier today uh, like at Demarcus Lawrence uh, like a Grady Jarrett who can push the pocket from the inside for the Atlanta Falcons, like D Ford, um, outside linebacker um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, mm -hmm. Frank Clark, defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks. Everybody, it's a quarterback-driven league, as you know, as the as the old adage says, or the adage says. Um, but it's also a quarterback drive him into the ground league, mm -hmm. and that's how you stop these quarterbacks from putting up these big numbers. So. As we know, the Colts have a first-round pick, two second-round picks. I hope to do some damage there, and, of course, all that money in free agency. Well, this has been a full show, to say the least, um, but we're just getting warmed up here at PFG Vibecast. Uh, over the next couple of months, uh, you're going to hear plenty about free agency, plenty about the NFL draft, and on our next show, we will wrap up our series um, that we've done over Twitter and on Facebook are poll questions about the most intriguing teams in each division. We've done six divisions so far. Um, remaining are is the team in the AFC West and the team in the NFC West. And you're just going to have to listen to our next podcast to find out who those two clubs are. So for Voight Julie, this is yours truly. And thanks for listening to the PFG podcast. So long, everybody. <laughs>